0: Welcome to Community Conversations. We are continuing our virtual vendor spotlight series and talking with Megan Cole from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Did I get that right? You did. Okay, it's, it's a mouthful of a, of a name. It's important work, but it's, it's a little uh, difficult to say. I was telling Megan before we started, every time I have to look that up or, or deal with something in our system, I have to like, look up exactly what it is. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Megan.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Megan is the Kentucky Area Director uh, for the AFSP, and she has been a uh, volunteer with the group since 2016, has been uh, an employee since late 2019. So we are uh, glad to have you all here with us today. Um, uh, Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you all do?
1: right, uh, so our mission is to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide. Um, so to do this, we focus on keeping everything evidence based or the largest private funder of suicide prevention research. Um, so any of our funding goes towards research um, prevention education programs. We've got over 30 different education programs that we can offer the public um, advocacy programs. We do a lot of local, state and federal um, advocacy and loss and healing programs for suicide loss survivors um, and those with lived experience of their own attempt. Um, And um, just our out of the darkness walks as well. It's just a community resource for um, anyone who has been affected or anyone who supports our cause.
0: And you all had a booth at Pride last year and you were uh, one of our registrants before Before the great freeze, yeah. uh, you all were going to have a booth this year. And so why, why is it important for your organization to be at an LGBTQ event?
1: I think it's so important for mental health connections to be made in the LGBTQ community. We don't know exactly how suicide impacts the LGBTQ community just because um, that data, sexual orientation and gender identity are not collected on death certificates. So we don't have specific statistics and that, but we do have research where um, people self-report um, if they have made an attempt in the last year. So we do know that people in the LGBTQ population are significantly higher risk of attempting suicide. Um, so making sure that we're getting them connected with resources, Um, Not only the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and handing out that information, but we also do a lot of work with the Trevor Project, and they have great resources specific to LGBTQ community. Um, But I think it was also just an opportunity for a lot of people to talk to us. Um, It's one of my favorite events we've ever had a booth at because so many people came up and shared their stories and... We had lots of hugs pre-COVID, um, well, lots of hugs and just um, conversations about how somebody has been impacted by suicide, either by losing a loved one or with their own attempt. Um, and it, it was an opportunity for them to share. I think somebody sometimes people are just waiting for that opening to be able to talk about it. Um, and we gave a lot of people that opening. And I also think it's the most resources I've ever given out in a single day event um so it was a really cool experience for us
0: well we we definitely like to hear that uh it was productive to be at our event uh for anybody who's curious you said your your child i can't remember if you said son or daughter is listening watching a movie in the background so if we hear some screaming um,
1: very talkative
0: (laughs) dog barking is on my end child screaming is on your end uh you know that's we're all used to that by now um so yeah i mean it sounds like there's a lot of um silence and shame around either people who have attempted suicide or who have been impacted by it in some way is something that, you know, we're very much socialized not to talk about. Um, so it sounds like that's an important part of your all's work is to bring attention to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, a majority of Americans at some point in their life are going to be impacted by suicide. Um, but it's just not something that is regularly talked about. We actually lose more people to suicide than um, homicide, war and natural disaster combined. But you don't really hear about it in the media um, and there's still a lot of shame and stigma associated with it. So a big part of our mission is making sure that we are breaking that stigma and we're bringing suicide out of the darkness because it's a leading cause of death that's preventable. And one of the ways that we prevent it is by talking about it and by having open, honest conversations about mental health.
0: It's interesting you said that there's kind of a uh, a dearth of information about, or statistics about LGBTQ people and suicide. Those of us in the community, you know, of course, just know anecdotally that there's higher rates within the community. So I, I guess I would assume that it was more of a studied issue, but it sounds like it's not been... Um, it
1: is frequently studied. It's just it we're limited because of how we report The data and death reporting system So most of these statistics come from the national violent death reporting system and that goes off of death certificates And I'm not aware of any states that collect data on sexual orientation and gender identity um, So that kind of limits that um, but like you said just anecdotally, we do know how much it impacts this community. Um, and uh, I think a big part of educating the public on that too is showing how much of a decreased risk someone has if they have, especially LGBTQ youth, if they have one accepting adult in their life. So that's always something that I really emphasize in any of our presentations um, is how important it is for just one accepting adult and how life-saving that can be.
0: So this is obviously very emotionally challenging work to be involved in. Do you have a personal connection that brings you to this work?
1: Yeah, I got involved after I lost my Aunt Linda to suicide in December 2014. Um, And I was actually in grad school at the time in a psychology class. And a professor um, directed me to the the out-of-the-darkness walks. Um, So I made a team with my family that year. And we walked together in the Louisville Walk. Um, and I really wanted to get more involved. So I went to a planning meeting, um, in January, 2016. And I left that meeting as the new walk chair.
0: I am, <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> I thought I would work like a merch booth or something. Um, but so I became the walk chair and I joined the Kentucky board shortly after that and eventually I became the board chair and it really was. Um, because I come from a healthcare background, I just loved that everything was so heavily based in research. Every one of our programs is heavily based in research. Even if you look at advocacy, um, we're never going to pick a side politically. We're just going to follow research and what research supports. And that's what I really loved about AFSP, um, because... Looking at the research and the direction that our organization has gone, I'm confident that we can decrease suicide rates. We... Oh, sh- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm confident that we can decrease suicide rates because of the dedicated and passionate individuals that make up this organization around the country. We have chapters in all fifty states. Um, so I think that was another really cool thing about it was that it's not just a charity out of New York. They realized really early on when AFSP was founded that we're not going to reach people from an office in New York that you have to be out in the communities. So you have that combination of research in the central office and the grassroots work of all of our volunteers and field staff around the country.
0: That's awesome. Um, So um, has, has there been, do we, you know, do we know if there's an uptick in suicides during COVID-19 or um, is it too soon to see that sort of uh, data or how, you know, what's, the, what's the impact on, on your all's work? Soon.
1: It's too soon to see that data. Um, typically the statistic, like our latest statistics are from 2018. So there's a couple year drag on how the CDC reports data But what we do know is looking at past natural disasters that we've experienced, that there's always an uptick in suicide um, after the immediate danger has passed. Um, So I think that's why it's really important to be proactive about mental health, checking in on yourself, checking in on others. Um, In Kentucky, they've done a really good job of transitioning to allowing virtual um, mental health care visits. Um, So that's something that I'm always pushing that you can check into, that your um, primary care physician might be able to get you connected with. Um, But it's really important that we're being proactive right now because we could see that uptick um, in the months or years following COVID-19.
0: So uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, resources or advice for people who may be in a situation where either they're considering suicide or they are worried about somebody?
1: So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a wonderful resource. It's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. And that is something that if you are in the midst of a crisis or you feel that you just need to talk to someone and get some support, you can call. Um, But also if you're concerned about somebody and you're not entirely sure of how to reach out or how to support them, you can call. And um, a trained counselor will kind of walk you through how to talk to that person, or you can even give that person's name and phone number and the crisis line can reach out to them for you.
0: Um, House. Sorry.
1: And that's just a really huge resource right now, especially when people are feeling so isolated.
0: And, you know, we don't see each other as much as we did, of course. So, you know, how seriously should people take concerns? You know what? I mean, if you haven't heard from somebody in a while or you have, what are some warning signs people should be on the lookout for and you know, when, what's a good reason for them to call to check on somebody?
1: So we break up warning signs into three categories, talk, behavior, and mood. Um, so often somebody before they take their life will actually talk about it. They might kind of do it in a joking manner, or they might talk about being a burden or feeling trapped. Um, but, No matter how they're putting it, always take it seriously, um, because that can be a really big indicator that something's going on. Um, For behavior, look for anything outside of the normal. Um, So somebody that, um, especially I think people who are really outgoing and now they're being isolated, um, that can be a really big shift in behavior for them. Um, So that's kind of something to pay attention to, anything outside the normal. And then mood. When somebody is in a suicidal crisis, um, they're really desperate to end the mental pain that they are in. So look for moods of somebody that is desperate. So there could be some mood swings, um, there could be anger, humiliation, um, but also look for sudden shifts in mood. Um, so if somebody has struggled with depression for a long time and they're typically pretty melancholy person, if all of a sudden that person is upbeat, that might mean that they've made a plan to end their life. And so they've they've decided and they know that there is an end in sight for their pain. Um, so always look for extreme shifts. Um, and then research has shown us that there's a lot of risk factors. There's never a single cause of suicide. So looking at the risk factors ahead of time um, can help you understand Um, how someone is at risk. So some of them are really obvious, like um, if you have a mental health condition, such as depression or anxiety, that puts you at increased risk. Um, But there's also um, ones that are a little more subtle um, and not obvious, um, such as differences in the brain. Um, Research has shown us that Are The brains of people who die by suicide differ in both structure and function, specifically in the areas related to impulse control and stress. Um, So having some idea of the different risk factors somebody might have, suicide loss survivors are at an increased risk. People who have attempted suicide before are at an increased risk. So when you pay attention to risk factors and then you combine them with the very visible warning signs, um, that kind of always go with your gut. If, you're, if, if I'm saying these things and somebody comes in mind, that's a pretty good sign that you should reach out. Um, and then I always recommend our Talk Saves Lives presentation it is a free community-based presentation. I give it on Zoom all the time now. Um, it's about 45 minutes, and it goes really in-depth into risk factors and warning signs.
0: So uh, tell me a little bit more about the work, how you all are doing your work right now and the um, Out of the Darkness walk, how you'll be doing that in 2020.
1: Well, we have gone virtual for all of our trainings, pretty much. Um, So our Talk Saves Lives um, is the community program, and that has actually different modules for it. So I can actually give a senior module, a module for firearms owners, and then one for the LGBTQ community. Um, And then our More Than Sad presentation, we're delivering that virtually right now. Um, And it is a training for parents or for educators of teenagers. Um, And those are really in-depth, they're a bit longer presentations. But any parent to a teenager, I would recommend attending one of these trainings because not only does it go into what specifically to look for in your teenager, but then how to talk to them in an effective way. I think sometimes people mean well when they approach the subject of being worried about someone's mental health or their suicide risk, um, but they approach it in a way that's not necessarily helpful or safe. Um, so I think educating yourself on the way to have these conversations is really important. Um, and then our It's Real presentation is a training for college students. And especially those who are just transitioning into college. I think that will be particularly important this year. as We see so many students going back to a very different school environment. And then our, our out of the darkness experiences um, are going to vary quite a bit by city and this year, but Rather than having our large in person walks that we normally have. We're going to be having a series of smaller in person um, we're calling them captivations. Um, And then we'll have a lot of digital content, both on and off social media that people can engage in Um, and we just want to give people plenty of opportunities to connect with each other. Um, So like with the Louisville walk specifically, there's going to be a self-guided route that people can complete on their own time, but we'll have um, memorial boards set up for people to um, decorate for whoever they are walking for. We'll still have our messages of hope and healing along the routes, um, but and still giving people that physical activity that they can do to honor their loved one. Um, But we also realize that not everybody is comfortable getting together this year and it's not so we want to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe but giving them opportunities to still engage with this community that's often what people find to be like the most therapeutic part of our out of the darkness walks is seeing that they're not alone there's this huge community of support people who know exactly what they're going through and people who want to support their mental health journey um, so we want to make sure that we're still really honoring that and including those touches in our experiences this year.
0: And for people who want to register for that, or find out more information about the out of the darkness experience or any of the other talks, how do they contact you all? So uh,
1: they can contact me at Kentucky at AFSP.org on email. Um, or you can register and find out more information for any of our walks at afsp.org slash Kentucky walks.
0: Thank you for joining me today, Megan. Uh, we managed to get through it with uh, garage doors and dogs and children. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of us on this. Uh, yeah. Go team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you very much. And uh, thank you all for joining us for, our virtual vendor spotlight on Community Conversations. I want to thank the sponsors that make Community Conversations possible, UAW, Local 862, Norton Healthcare, and Republic Bank. Thank you all very much.